Thank you for being here today. It's a great day. It's an exciting day. Uh, next Sunday, uh, Pastor Sean and Sonny will be here. They're going to be here next Sunday and then the second Sunday in September. And then they will begin their full-time ministry here. Is the second? Huh? December. Yeah, that's, that's Christmas month, isn't it? Yeah, It's old age creeping up on me here. But uh, they will be here, uh, like I say, next Sunday, the second Sunday in December. And uh, then following that, they'll be here for the Christmas services, and they'll be here the rest of the time. And it's going to be great and exciting. And they have a little clip at the end of the service just they wanted to greet you. So uh, praise the Lord. Well, it's Thanksgiving. Hello. Can you smell the turkey? Can you, the wafting of the smell of the pumpkin pie beginning to just, you're imbibing it right now, and I'll be starting to drool saying, quit, I want to go home and eat, catch the Packer game, but we won't keep you overly long. George, where are you? Oh, there it is. So they snuck up and gave me this already. I'm, it's exciting. So I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving, but I want to talk to you today. We're, this is our, we're finishing up our series on aware and really <clears throat> being aware of what it means to have a thanks, thankful spirit, or in other words, the essence of Thanksgiving. Uh, I, was, I spoke last Sunday in uh, Salt Lake City at my son's church, and uh, it was sort of an interesting week. We got back to Salt Lake, and Monday it was 70 degrees, Tuesday it was 70 degrees, Thursday it was 70 degrees, and then Friday morning it started snowing. And by the time we went to church on Sunday morning, there was 18 inches on the ground in our backyard, four and a half feet of snow in the mountains. They're opening all the ski lodges there, and that's exciting, but... Um, so I'm thankful for 70-degree weather. I'm thankful for snow. I'm thankful. Just, I'm just thankful today. But uh, how many of you are here when I preach the baggage message? A few of you are here for that? And uh, so, you know, I, was, I, I did the baggage message out in Salt Lake City, and I, I was just talking about that whole attitude of rest and not bringing burdens to church and, and not bringing them into the city and learning how to live a thankful life, and that the Sabbath, which is sundown Saturday to sundown Friday, is just, you know, they one day where you worship. But the reality is we need to worship every day. We need to have this relationship with God every day. Now, Thanksgiving is like one day a year, the, the, the thing that we celebrate. And it was uh, just a group of people that had migrated over here from Europe to get away from religious oppression. Do you know that America was a church relocation project? There was great persecution back in, in, the, in the time when, and the pilgrims came over to America to escape being squelched in their Christian lives. And they came to establish a country where God would be first. And then after that terrible winter and are going into all of that, and then they celebrated and had this great feast. But I want to tell you, Thanksgiving to me should be every day of the year. Not just, I mean, we couldn't eat the food or, you know, we, you get on the scale. You know, did you ever get on one of those scales that gives you a little message? If you know what I mean? I got on one one time. It says, one at a time, please. And, <laughs> but the reality is we're talking about an attitude of thanksgiving, an attitude of, of really understanding some things. And I, I want you to catch this in the message today. If you have Bibles with you, uh, open to the book of Colossians. And uh, uh, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles. If you'd like to, to have one, we'll give you one. Or if you just didn't bring yours today, but I, I want us to, to really understand being aware of Thanksgiving, but yet the essence, what it really means, and that it's a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week thing. I am thankful today. I'm thankful that I'm 
up. I'm thankful that I'm breathing. I'm thankful that uh, in, a, in a few days I'll be back in Utah with my family, and I'm just I'm thankful for a lot of things. I'm thankful that my kids are serving God. I'm thankful that that uh, God's got great things in store for 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 Life Church. I'm thankful that Sean and Sonny Hennessy in the in the province of God feel that this is the place that 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 they should come and. Their ministry will be well-received, and uh, it's going to cr create such an enthusiasm of, among you people and other people who will get to know their tremendous giftings. He's a great communicator. His wife is very, very involved in everything, and you will just love them, and many, many lives are going to be changed from them. So I'm thankful for that. So uh, let's look at this verse of Scripture in Colossians chapter 3, and verse 17 says this. Whatever you say or do should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as you give thanks to God the Father because of him. Paul the Apostle wrote the book of Colossians to the church at Colossae, and he urges us in this particular uh, scripture to do two things. To get rid of behavior not appropriate to their connection with Christ. And we're going to delve into this a little bit more. But, you know, when you really get in line with the word of God, it brings your behavior into uh, direct accountability to the Word of God. The Word of God, the Bible, is our handbook. It's like when you buy a new car, you get a, an owner's manual, right? It tells you how the car works, how everything works. And the, the, the production people who put that together know because they produce the car. That makes sense, right? And God created us. He created man from the dust of the earth, right? Uh, dirt. That's why someone told me that's why men have dirty minds. Come on. And then the women from the rib. You know, so understand. But God created us. He knows how we work. He knows how we tick. And he knows what we needed. And he knew that uh, we needed a savior. So he sent his son. And when Jesus hung his head on the cross and said, it is finished, he then created for us an opportunity to come into his presence, to love him, to, to have a relationship with him. No longer do we have to have a, a priest, and I'm not talking about a Catholic priest or, or whoever calls their priest priest, but I'm talking about a high priest named Jesus Christ. So he, he wants us to get our behavior in line. How many of you have ever parented? Are parenting. Yeah, that's a lot of you. Some of you don't want to admit it. But, uh, but the reality is when you train children, you're, you're always working on their behavior. You're trying to teach them good behavior patterns. And as a Christian parent, you want to treat them, teach them behavior patterns that line up with the Word of God. Things like respect and honor and, and authority. All of those things, they're all in the Bible. The Bible is a very relevant book but sad to say, most people just leave it sit on their shelves, and they don't really get into it. So we want to get our behavior in a pro an appropriate connection with Christ. And secondly, we want to replace the inappropriate attitudes and actions with those that are appropriate. So we're going to talk about those things. So these two things will help us complete an under get a complete understanding of what Thanksgiving is all about, how it all comes together. And, uh, you know, there... Uh, so many times we just zero in on the day and think about the day, like when I was talking about the turkey and the pie and the dressing and, and all of the good smells and the sweet potato casseroles and the green bean casseroles. And, you know, I'm getting hungry. I'm starting to drool a little bit here. But the reality is 
That's a, it's a day to celebrate, but we really need to grab what Thanksgiving really means, what a thankful heart it is. Actually, Thanksgiving is an attitude. Um, I remember I have a very good friend in Salt Lake. Uh, years ago, he came to Christ, and he's now a senior pilot for Southwest Airlines. His name is Jeff Gullickson. In fact, I saw him last week. He was in church when I was there. And uh, one time uh, he took me up on, he was getting some hours in on a small plane. And uh, when you look at the, the instrument panel on an, an airplane, right in the middle of the instrument panel is the attitude indicator. And what that shows is the attitude between the plane and the ground. And you've got to keep the plane in the proper attitude of the ground or you could crash. And he said that's the most important thing in the, of any of the gauges here is the attitude of the airplane as it relates to the ground. The most important thing in our lives as Christians is our attitude toward the Word of God, the attitude toward our husbands and wives, family members, neighbors, friends, employees, and all of those kinds of things. So we, we really want to, to grab a hold of that and to learn what to do and how to do it. Thanksgiving isn't just an event. It's not a 24-hour event. It should be a lifestyle as we study the scripture and see what it has. And today I want to share with you how to live Thanksgiving. Three things, and it won't take me too long. In fact, one of the guys asked me, he said, are you going to be a done time for us to make the kickoff? Well, I think we are. And, uh, if, you know, so the first thing, Thanksgiving should be done in words and in deeds. First of all, our words, our language, how we talk. It should be a spirit of thanksgiving. So many times, you know, when we talk negative, even if we talk to ourselves negative, how it drags you down, Christians should be encouraging. They should be up. No matter what's going on around them, they should be up because ultimately we've got it all together. Ultimately, our life is, we're just passing through. The Bible calls us just like, it's like a whisper. It's just like a, just whoosh, and life is gone. I know that. I mean, I was born in 1946. Figure it out. If you do simple math, I'm 66 years old. And it seems like just like yesterday, you know, I was graduating from high school. And, and yet, you know, the thing that is, is attractive about people who love Christ, their words should be uplifting and, and exciting. I remember when I got out of Bible college right after the ark landed on Ararat. Some of you missed that one. But uh, I, was a, I was a youth pastor in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I graduated from college. Man, I was excited. I had a group of kids. Man, I was the youth pastor. And I would, we lived about... 15 miles, and I would have to drive through Milwaukee and into Wauwatosa, and I picked up hitchhikers, and I was telling everybody about Jesus, and I was excited, and you know my, and you know, sometimes you see words, and I was following this guy in the car, of course, I mean, I wasn't running, the car was in front of my car, and on the back window of the car, it had a bumper sticker, honk if you love Jesus. Well, I'm thinking another believer, and so he pulls up to a stop sign, and I honked, and I honked again. And all, he didn't move. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, he, his arm comes out the window, and he flashed me the bird. <laughs> I'm thinking, this guy, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, he, I'm honking because I love Jesus. And, well, then I figured maybe he bought the car used and it had the sticker on there or something. But sometimes Christians are like, you know, Christians can be ornery. They can be ugly. They can be nasty. And that, that's a contradiction to Thanksgiving. So, I mean, I quit honking at that guy and, you know. But so, but what are our words like? What are people hearing from us? You know, in the midst of, of, of difficult times, what are they hearing from you? You know, or, or does the, the slightest or the biggest setback just push you down so low you can barely see the surface? You know, there's scripture that in Psalms 119 says, This is the day the Lord hath made. 
I will rejoice and be glad in it. I was rejoicing in that 70-degree weather when I got back in Salt Lake. And then when it started to snow, I started to rejoice. Well, there's a reason for that. I like to ski, and there's four and a half feet in the mountains. But anyhow, and uh, the reality is rejoice no matter what's going on. When it's raining, snowing, when, when good times, bad times, if your words will reflect that, it'll be a tremendous testimony. It's easy to be happy and excited and, and verbose with wonderful words when everything is going well, you know. The real test is when things are tough. How do you handle the tough times? What are people seeing in your words? Are you thankful? Are you happy? Are you, are you thrilled with life in general? In 1 Chronicles 16.8 it says, Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all of his wonderful acts. And... Uh, the other night, uh, I don't know if any of you saw it, but I've always been a Whitney Houston fan. You ever heard of her? I mean, they did this uh, special on her uh, Friday night. It was unbelievable. Man, the woman could really sing. And there was this clip of her midway through it where she was talking about she was raised in church. She was raised with godly parents who loved Jesus. And, and she said some of the things. But what happened is in, toward... She married poorly, um, it's, it's documented, got sucked into drugs and alcohol and all kinds of stuff, and, and sadly, that beautiful voice was snuffed out early because she didn't stick with the manual. And man, I mean, I, I mean, I almost, when she was, when they were doing some of the singing and they had Usher on there, you know, not the guy that picks up the offering, but the guy that sings, come on, are you guys all right? And, and he was saying... <laughs> Singing some of the stuff, and I'm thinking, you know, and, and some of that stuff, man, it's, uh, I remember when she played in the, peach, in the Preacher's Wife. Remember that one? Man, and she was up in front singing that stuff, man, just sucks you right in. There's power in godly singing and, and, and worshiping, and, you know, it, it, even though it, the Bible says maybe you can't sing. I can't clap my hands on the beat. I have a very hard time with that. I hear it in my feet. If I could clap my feet, I'd be dangerous. <laughs> but then I would fall down, so that wouldn't work either. So, but, but the point of it is, the Bible says make a joyful noise. And if you're thankful, man, you're going to want to sing, and you're going you're gonna to worship. I remember after the program was over, I, you know, I, I was by myself. My wife's back in Utah, and I, I started singing some of the, the songs that I, I just love. And, you know, and, and just, you know, just worshiping and loving God. And, and that's what it says here. You should, you should uh, just sing and, and, and let your words ring out and, and people will know you by your words and don't be a contradiction to terms don't be the guy that when someone honks at you because you got a bumper sticker you, you flash them the sign <laughs> in words now and in deeds in Psalms 107 21 through 22 let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds of men let them sacrifice with thank offerings I want to tell you doing good things to, for people. There's a little book years ago it was written called Random Acts of Kindness, where you pick up someone's bill. Or I remember in our neighborhood, I used to, uh, if a big snow, I would take my snowblower and try to beat some of the neighbors, and especially if they didn't have a snowblower or whatever, and blow their driveway out. And, and uh, I would even cut someone's grass if they were gone on vacation. Or we used to go to neighbors, and if they had a baby, we'd, we'd offer to babysit for free so they could go out. And, and those random, why are you doing that? Because I'm just doing it as unto the Lord. 
Now, on the reverse side of that, I had a weird thing happen to me in Salt Lake this last week. The guy who lives across the street from me is a Mormon bishop in the LDS church. And uh, uh, a few years ago, we rented our house for a couple years when we moved back here to do some stuff in the Midwest and actually help getting this church constructed. And uh, we rented our house to a guy named Mike Faddis. Nice guy, paid his rent on time and kept it nice. And then when we sold our house here, when we were moving back to Utah, we moved in our house. So he was 23 months into the lease. Now, he was a very good friend with this Mormon bishop. He wasn't Mormon, but a very good friend. They used to ride uh, their bikes together and do stuff together as families. Well, so uh, Tuesday, he was walking across the street. And I said, hey, how's it going? He said, you know, let me just tell you, you're the worst neighbor I've ever had. Moi, me. He said, you kicked the fattesses out of your house. Now, they did leave a month early, but I gave them a half a month's reduction because they found, an, I mean, 50% off the rent. Even though they stayed there, they found another place to rent. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, you turkey. I mean, it was my house, and I rented it to him. You see what I mean? And, man, he's going off. I, oh, you're, rah, 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 you kicked those people out of your house. And, and, you know, my first reaction is to run across the street. I mean, little, he's a little guy. And I'm Sort of intimidate him or something, you know, not to realize if he probably could whoop the snot out of me. But then I, I went a little bit, I was talking to another one of my friends, and I know this. And how many are familiar with the LDS church, the Mormon church? If, if you really study Mormon apologetics, it's quite interesting. They believe everybody's Jesus. Jesus was the firstborn, so if let's say that I was the 100,000th Mormon, I would be just Jesus' brother. I'd be 100,000, you know. It's not what the, that's not our, what our Bible says one and only son. But then they have a thing, and I'm just giving you a little teaching here. They're, they're really, by and large, nice people, but it's a different Jesus. They use a different Bible. Uh, initially, it was really founded on polygamy. Uh, actually, we had a guy that lived... Uh, now, this was the fundamental Mormons, not the ones you see in your neighborhoods, but he practiced polygamy. The guy had 39 wives and 169 kids. Yeah. Yeah. Go up at the shade in the morning. I mean, he was just wore out. And come on, are you guys so come? Come on now. But here's now here's what they. Aren't you glad you came? Aren't you glad you didn't go deer hunting? You can tell your friends about this. But anyhow, in, in they have a, what's called a temple ceremony. Once you're sealed in the temple, and they have these various stations. It's like a play, and they show the story of Mormonism. One of the stations, and this is going back to my neighbor who read me the riot act. They show a Protestant minister taking money from the devil because they believe Protestant ministers like me work for the devil. So I'm figuring all he needed was him thinking that I kicked out and I didn't kick the people out. To, I mean, what he's building up and venting on me was because, I'm, you know, he knows that. Now I didn't go home and say, I, I know you think I'm a devil. You know. But I've always been really liked in neighborhoods where I've lived. In fact, I've been one of the favorites, you know. And now this guy is chewing me out across the street. I mean, it's 70 degrees. He's ruining my day with his burbage. Now, here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to kill the guy with kindness. I can't wait to do random acts of kindness for him. I mean, I even wrote him a note right after to try to explain things. So I put it on his door, and he'd gone to work. The next morning, it's glued to my door. Unwarranted, unread, and unwanted. Oh, this guy, I am a bad guy. <laughs> so, and my first thought is, you know what? Get a life. 
But see, as a Christian, what, what, what our response should be to difficult people, difficult things, is we should take the other course of action. So now I'm going to figure out all wonderful things to do for them. You know what I mean? It's going to be fun. It's going to be um, So secondly, thanksgiving is a command in order to give God glory. You see, we must really desire to appreciate God for who he is. We must desire it. In Ephesians 5, 20 and 21 says, Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another. Submit one another out of reverence to God. Submit to one another out of reverence for God. So, First of all, we got to glorify God. Thank God for who he is. And I, I'm so happy to be a Christian. I'm happy that God loves me and he cares for me and that, that, he, that he came into my life when I was 20 years old and I arbitrarily made a decision to accept him as my personal savior and let him guide and direct my life. Man, I, in the midst of matter what's going on in my life, I can thank God that he's done that for me. Give glory to God. I mean, just say, God, I love you so much. But then this next part, to be really understanding of thanksgiving, is submit to one another. How many of you know what the word submit means? That's yeah, not fair because he was in the first service, but <laughs> give in. Give in. That's a hard thing to do. You know, in fact, the Bible says that it talks a lot about submission. And, uh, uh, when we were raising our kids, uh, I, w I, I found Christ when I was 20, and you know, from like 15 to 20, I was a cruising, boozing, uh, 1960s teenager doing all the stuff that we did back then, and I did it with veracity. And then Jesus comes into my life. I do a radical 180. I end up doing what I'm doing. Now we have kids. And so my wife... I mean, because of what I did in that segment of my life, I don't want my kids to get involved in the same stuff. That makes sense? I mean, most of you, honestly, some of the things you did as a teenager, you, you don't want your kids to do it. So my tendency was maybe to be really strict. I used to tell my daughter, those little boys that want to take you out, they're highly hormonally charged, and they are, they got, they're thinking stuff that would shock you. Are you there? I mean, this is real life, you know, chemistry 101. And uh, <laughs> so, man, I was just going to, man, I, like W.C. Fields said, when they turn 13, get a 50-gallon barrel, cut the top out, put them in, weld it shut, feed them, and let them out when they're 18. And that's the way you raise them. So that you, but the point is, so, I'm, I mean, I was going to set down some very semi, -mon well, not semi, monastic orders on how my kids were going to be raised. And my wife says, wait a minute, Arnie got to pull back here a little bit. I had to submit to my wife because she, you know, she knew that the things that we could do. Now, we set the standard and we were cautious, but at the same time, we let them live out their lives. And today, they're serving God. They're loving God. They honor us. They sound more like us today than we sounded when we were back there at that time. But the point is submission. You see, people don't want to give in. You don't want to give in at work. Your boss is a jerk. Your husband's a jerk. You know, I I was preaching the baggage sermon last week, and I talked about baggage, and I said, you know, when I married my wife and I picked her up and carried her across the threshold, I got in a little trouble because I said she was lighter then. Should not have done that. But I apologized. <laughs> I don't know if she was in that service. They have three out there. And, 
But, but anyhow, I said, I carried baggage across. Because people come into relationships with baggage. I brought baggage into the relationship. Are you there? And so what we have to do is when we see those things, we have to submit to one another. We don't want people to tell it. Don't you hate when people pinpoint something in your life and you know they're right and then you try to dodge your way around it? But see, what submission means, giving in. If you want to be successful, give in at work. Do what the authority figure says. Listen to law enforcement. Study the Bible. Do what the Bible would want you to do. Submit, give in. But man, I have met some of the most stubborn, unforgiving Christians that, I'm, 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 you know what I mean? And, and they're a contradiction to terms. That's not a thankful spirit. Now, uh, Thursday out in Salt Lake, they have this thing. They, last year I played, they, have, they had 60 guys show up last, week, uh, last year at, the, uh, at this big entertainment center, and we broke into four football teams. I played football for years. And actually, I was pretty good at it. Even as old as I'm, the old arm still works pretty good. But last year, I got hurt. Some guy came. It's supposed to be touch. He spun me around my back. I felt like I was at... You know, with you, Doc. In fact, you—I think you treated me a couple times when I came up here because, <laughs> you know, now I've—I've—I've I've, uh, I've submitted my retirement. I'm not going to play this year. My wife says you should, you should. I said, yeah, but I was hurt for two months after, and but I said, oh, here's what I am. I'm a return specialist. Now I'm a return specialist. I take the stuff back to the store that she bought that doesn't fit. I take it back. So I'm a return specialist, and and I'll stay home and watch the Macy's parade with her and be fine. But Thanksgiving is more than football games. More than Turkey more than who Detroit's going to play or Dallas is going to play. Thanksgiving is an attitude of gratitude. It's, it's that, it's, just, it's, it's saying, you know what, I'm going to submit. My son's the pastor of the church out there. He used to work for me. And now when I go to his church, I just submit to him. He's the guy. I'll do whatever he wants me to do. If he wants me to preach, I'll preach sometime. He lets me every once in a while. He feels sorry for me. But, um, no, not really. But the point is, I've got to submit to him now because he is an authority figure there. And if, if people will learn to submit, not in an abusive way. I'm not talking about, oh, well, just hit me again. I'm enjoying that. No, I'm just talking about submitting. Understanding that that's, when you do that, you're, 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 you're lifting things up. You're, you're, you're being touched. We must aim, as it says in Thessalonians 5.18, to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Now, really, when you think about that, there's another scripture that says, all things work together for good to them that are called according to his purpose. Now, one thing about getting a little older, <clears throat> and I, this really was driven home to me. <laughs> uh, a number of years ago, I was, when I was 58, I went to my 40th class reunion. It was up in Door County. One of the guys was holding it at his, his house, and he had a beautiful home out in the country, and he had a big nursery. He owned a nursery up there, and so big, you know, big spread and nice trees all over the place, and so Jan and I drive in, you know, and uh, uh, I see all these people coming out of their cars, you know, making their way up to his house. I'm telling you, they really looked old. I mean, it looked like recess at a rest home. I'm telling you what. I actually pulled... I actually pulled down the visor and slid my thing open and looked. Oh, holy cow. I went, I went to school with those people, and they're old. <laughs> I mean, ay, 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 you know. Holy macro, you know. And then, then we, got, we got there, and all of, they're all saying to me, man, aren't you really look good? You know? 
well, my wife dyes my hair. I've got six-inch lifts in my shoes. I'm really 5'8", not 6'4". Are you there? No. But the, the point is, sort of a spirit of thanksgiving came over me. Because I said to myself, there go I for the grace of God, but for the grace of God. Because they had, I mean, hit it hard. Many of them had multiple marriages and addictions to alcohol. And, you know, they, they really ruined their lives with how they were living. And I was so thankful. And I wasn't trying to just pull the wool over my own eyes. That I, because of living a Christian life, you know, it's, there's, there's been some things that have been a little bit more preserved than if I would have lived it the other way. You know what I mean? So being thankful. Now I know some people genetically just, you know, deteriorate quicker, I guess, but whatever. Uh, you know, and please. My wife, she sees this quick lift commercial on TV, you know. She's, I don't even think you ought to get one of those. You get rid of your gobbler and, you know, just pick your mouth up and... I'm telling you, the woman will be touching me up when I'm in the coffin. She's going to say to the undertaker, oh, could you, could you put a little powder over there? I think you've seen his gray is peeking through or something. Come on. I am thankful today, though, to God. Are, are, are you guys okay? Give, but it says, give thanks in all circumstances. You know, tough stuff. And that's one of the good things about being one of those old people that was walking up to my class reunion is when I look back now at my life, and there have been some rough stuff happened to me. Some things I didn't understand, didn't make sense. But you know what? As I look at it now, it steered me where God wanted me to be. Was it fun going through it? No. Was I saying, oh, man, I'm just enjoying this awful time in my life? No. But now, in Christ, with a thankful spirit, I realize that those circumstances were pointing me in the direction that I needed to go. That's how I can rejoice now. I have found, if I'm a child of the king and he's concerned about me, that when I'm in tough circumstances, I'm thinking, God, you must be trying to work something out in my life. Does that make sense to any of you here? <laughs> oh, I better quit soon. <laughs> You've got 28 minutes to get home and see the jets fly over and hear the anthem and whatever. So I better get to number three. Thanksgiving is a grateful remembrance of God's mercy. We were once lost and slaves. Romans 6.17 says, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have set me free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I need a Kleenex. Everybody, could you hand me one, please? Close your eyes. There we go. This bodily process happens. You can't help it. So what I got out of that is, okay, I was a slave to sin. And going back to my little illustration about the high school reunion, a lot of those people remained slaves to sin, and it took a toll on them. Now I'm a slave to righteousness. Righteousness is just doing the right things. It's the opposite of wrongness. Wrongness isn't really a word, but it's righteousness, okay? So now I'm a slave to doing it the right way. Nothing wrong with that. Is that it's sort of a glorious thing. Let me close with this illustration. I have a book that my mother-in-law gave me years ago called Crowded to Christ by Ellie Maxwell. And uh, one of the, in, in the book of Romans, the first chapter, it says, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Now, what is a bond servant? Here's what it is. It's a servant that has no will of his or her own. Okay? Now, how he illustrated it from history is when the Romans would conquer a nation and take slaves 
and they became a slave. They called them bond servants. In other words, their will, they didn't have a will of their own. They had to do exactly what whoever would buy them into slavery or if a soldier was able to keep them because he won. And here's what they would do. It's very cruel. After they would have the, the victory at this particular place, and it, they had chariots back then, they would take the person and contort them, sort of wrap them like this, and they would, la they would the, the wheels of their chariot, they would tie them to the wheels. So when the, when the wheels of the chariot go around, this, the slave was just spinning around, and they would do it so that it didn't kill him. And then they would come into town, they have these victory parades after these great uh, victories, and they would come in, and the slave, many of them would be lashed to the wheels of the chariots going around, and how humiliating, all right? Bond servant. They couldn't say to their Roman master, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't, you know, no. And now Paul, as he writes to the Roman church, because they knew this illustration very well, he said, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. What are you saying? I am lashed to the chariot wheels of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, and I don't have a will of my own. But Christ isn't here to abuse us. Christ isn't here to make us unhappy. Christ isn't here to ruin our life and take joy out of our life. The Bible says he came to give life and to give it more abundantly. So that's what Thanksgiving is, abundant living. It's just not one day of the year. It should be 365 days a year. Does that make sense to you? Well, I think I'm going to quit. I'm done, almost. Stand up with me, would you? Are, are you come on, are you okay? Come on now. This, 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 is, this should be exciting because I think some of you maybe are grasping some, some concepts and, 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 and you're hearing from someone who's lived some life. Uh, bow your heads. How many of you actually say, you know, Pastor Arnie, I, uh, I have some things going on in my life to make it pretty tough to be thankful. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I got some things going on in my life that really create difficulties and pain and anguish and hurt. And just keep your hands up if, if that's you. I got my hand up now because you know what? If you live life, life, life has difficulties and problems. And, and, and I want to pray for you. Lord, right now I pray for my friends. I pray, Lord, that they would take the fact that your word says in everything give thanks. Not that we're thankful for the bad stuff, but that it's directing us and that we have a, a God, a Savior who loves us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross. And when you hung his head in, on, the, on the cross and said, it is finished, now the veil of the temple was rent in twain and we don't have to have a priest go in and plead our case, but we can go in and say, God, I'm just your kid, help me. So, Lord, help my friends today. Lord, help us to look forward to the future with great anticipation for what you're going to do in this church and in our lives. And thank you, Lord, for the past, but we look forward to a glorious future. Lord, thank you for people right now that are realizing there is hope, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not a train coming at them. It's the presence of Christ. Bless them now. Help them to live a solid Christian life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.